Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. On today's episode, we have a Hall of Famer, Tracy McGrady. Welcome to the show, my friend. Appreciate it, Buster. Thank you for having me on your platform, brother. First things first, we got to talk about OBL, One's Basketball League. I know you're excited about it. How did this idea originate? Obviously, you've been a great one-on-one player all life, but where did this come from? Well, there's a lot of inspirations that came with creating this. Um, One being that I have two sons that are 16 and 13. My boys uh, don't sit down and watch NBA games with me. They don't sit down and watch uh, NCAA games with me. Um, But they will bring me highlights from YouTube, uh, TikTok, and and all these, you know, uh, social media sites and short form content uh they don't have the attention span to sit down and watch you know a full game or even a half with me um so just taking that they bring these youtube highlights with guys playing in the park uh you know four and four basketball starts out like that but then it turns into one-on-one and i was looking at this like wow just seeing the energy that was created around this like this is incredible so Getting it from my kids and my AAU program, these guys play one-on-one at every practice. That's all they talk about. They ask me questions. Hey, T-Mac, who went out of you and KD? Or who went out of you and Kobe one-on-one? Like, <laughs> I, get it, I get it all the time, right? And then yep. even on social media, you see, you know, guys posting that, who will win out of one, you know, in a one-on-one battle. I see it all the time. So that was inspirational um, on this decision. And another, I kind of, you know, where I am today is why I'm, I'm building what I'm building. And I'll explain why. I was a junior in, in Arbondale, Florida, and I was playing uh, spring football. And basketball was actually my third sport. I was a baseball player. I was a football player and, and basketball. So I'm playing spring football. Basketball, I'm averaging like 23 and 12 for my junior year. A guy comes from Ocala, Florida, and he come, I've never met this man in my life. He gives me an opportunity to go and play at the Adidas camp. Never heard about it. I've never been to any camps. I'm just in my little own world in Arbordale, Florida, yep. you know, 2,000 uh, population down there. And I don't, I don't think anyone outside of Central Florida knew who Tracy McGrady was. So he came with this opportunity. It was like, you know, um, I'm inviting you to this elite camp with the top high school players in the nation. And I was like, cool. So he had to pull some strings to get me into the Adidas camp. I got the jersey number 175. I'm the last guy invited to this camp. That's crazy. Right? And then I obviously, you know, the history. I go through the camp, yep. come out, I'm ranked number one. But you were ranked number one after the camp? I was ranked number one. Holy. I was ranked number one high school <laughs> player in the nation, though. That's got to be a record or something. Man, so but, but, but what I say all this is there are plenty of guys that came before me, right, that was extremely talented. And I'm talking about from my neighboring uh, area where I grew up. They didn't get this opportunity that I got. Somebody discovered me and gave me this opportunity to play on a national level right, to, to gain that exposure. That's what I want to do here, man. I, I want to give guys that didn't get the opportunity to play in the NBA or go across seas and play, 
but they still can play a high level of basketball to where you and I can appreciate and sit down and watch a one-on-one battle and, and notice that, man, this dude got skills and, and we could appreciate that. So I want to give these guys a platform to number one, tell their stories. Cause I know they have some great stories to tell and two, just give them a platform to, to, you know, live out their dream really um, of being noticed, being ranked as a, as a, as a basketball player, maybe even get the opportunity to play on a G league team or in the NBA because of the platform that we created. So I take, you know, UFC platform, for example, and I, I talk to this about everybody, uh, to everybody. It's like the Conor McGregor's and some of these guys that are in uh, most of these guys that are in UFC. I didn't know who they was before they got on UFC platform. Did you? Right. And they probably wouldn't have been prize fighters either. Exactly. So in UFC, you know, built these guys up to who they are. So now, you know, we can appreciate who these guys are. But it's the same with basketball, bro. There's some talented dudes out here, untapped talent that I want to discover to be, you know, on our platform and, and make stars and learn more about them by telling their stories. I love that. And I love the UFC example because that that vision of enabling all of these athletes to take their brands so much further beyond that is so exciting and we've seen it time and time again and that's what new leagues have to try to do so yeah. is your long-term vision every person in this league beyond the great content that could come out of it um and you know the snackable bite-sized stuff that you know a lot of oh listen to that with the language bro the language. generation <laughs> loves um you know is is your vision that all these guys have platforms to be able to then do whatever they want and it you know credits back to that league? Oh, for sure, for, for sure. And and I won't pigeonhole anybody that gets the opportunity to go to a G League and uh, you know have that dream for them come true. But more on a bigger scale, I, I think three to five years where I want OBA to be, I want it to be a global league. We don't have anything like I want OBA to be in Africa in Asia, uh, in the Middle East, to where we identify, if we get our structure right here in North America, we could then license that to others, other countries to identify who's the ruler of the court. That ruler of the court in that country and, and all of these countries, now we could create our own Olympics, right? So we got the guy from the US. That's creating a new Olympics over here, I love it. <laughs> Listen, bro. Listen, man, with the resources that I have behind me and the, the masterminds that I have, the reach that I have is possible. And that's what I'm reaching for. I'm reaching for the stars, bro. I love it. And I agree. I think, you know, when, when you think about big sporting events, right, you think about like that are single time events. One, one, you think about fighting, you think about Usain Bolt in a track race. These moments are there like that. And then, and then people watch them on social media. But if you can create something that's short, but that's the entire thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I no, that's, that's where we're going with that. And, and the Gen Z generation, this is the era that they grew up in. It's, it's social media, TikTok and right, right. social media. And it's quick, short form is what they gravitate towards. My oh, man, I love, I love that you're doing it. I got a, I got a, I got an interesting question for you next. Thirteen points in thirty three seconds. If you, so you, I got, I got something fun for you. You averaged forty point eight minutes per 
uh, per game in that season in 2004-05, if I'm not mistaken. Do you know how many points you would have scored in that game if you had rounded that number up to the average minutes and you ratioed the 13 in 33? You know what? That's crazy. That is an interesting question. Over 40.8 minutes? I have the nobody, answer for you. I nobody, have the nobody has ever asked me that question, and I don't know the answer to that. So, Buster, please lay it on me. Your mind's going to be blown because my mind was blown. 964 points. What? Here, I'll give you, for all the math nerds out there. So in 40.8 minutes, there are 2,448 seconds. So you would multiply that by 13 and then divide that by 33. Um, you come out with 964 points. <laughs> <laughs> that's insane you're, you're almost 10xing Wilt chamberlain's all-time record if you were to if you were to scale that out <laughs> that is insane brother wow have you're you know you're somebody did i lose your video oh, there no, we go you're somebody who who could score whenever they wanted are those sorts of records something that you ever thought about like did you ever no, I've, I've never thought about it. Um, you know, when I, just being in the moment, man, you, you, I, I don't think about that. I didn't think about it. I just tried to be, you know, the best I can be. And when I felt like it was one of those nights, I really tried to take advantage of it. That is a conscious thought, though, capitalizing when you have the momentum. Sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. I, I, it's not like I was going for it. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm just staying in the moment and seeing how far I could take it. Is one-on-one -on -one something that, you know, let's say contract legalities aside, should be an event at All-Star Weekend? Yes. But I, I, I think you got too many guys that want to protect their brand. Right. And afraid to go and play on one-on-one -on -one because maybe they get embarrassed. And if you face somebody like a Kyrie, Oh Lord, you're going to be shaking in your boots. So um, <laughs> I don't think, and, and it's crazy because, I mean, you, you got to be a confident player to play in the NBA, but when you take away somebody that can help them, they're not as confident. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't see, uh, all the guys getting into a one-on-one -on -one battle. The, the elite guys. Kyrie, yes. He's not afraid of anything. But some of the other guys, I don't think so. They will look at the roster and find out, okay, who's in it? Oh, Kyrie? Mm-mm. That's, like, <laughs> that's like me getting into the slam dunk contest with Vince. Like, come on, bro. I, I know what you could do. Why the hell am I going to get in there and just to play second or third? I don't want to compete against like I, I'm not, yeah. I can jump, but I don't have the hops and the creativity as you. So it, it'd be that same situation. Is that why you think guys aren't competing in any of the all-star weekend events these days? It, it's either that or, you know, maybe they want some extra bucks or they want to take advantage of it being a break. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I can understand the break part for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, NIL, 
this is something that is brand new, has never existed before, nothing like it has ever existed before. Right. A lot of the big schools are panicking and the college kids are very happy. What is your thought? And uh, you know, if you were approaching college as you, how would you approach NIL and how would you think about it? Well, I'm definitely looking at, you know, whatever school that I am considering, NIL money has to be topic of conversation, right? Because if, if I'm good enough to go straight from high school to the NBA, I do want to have the college experience because that's what I grew up watching. Um, and when I was younger, I mean, college basketball, especially when I was in high school, college basketball, I think is that it's peak. You know, right. with the, the Michigans, the UCLA's and, you know, those teams back then in the mid 90s. Um, so for, for me, that will be topic of discussion and it depends on, you know, what type of money that I can I can get or what type of deals I can monetize off, you know, determines on my decision of going to college or going straight to the NBA. But, you know. When I was in high school, I got assigned a $12 million with, deal with Adidas. Would I be able to do that? If that opportunity came to me um, for NIL deal to go to Kentucky, I was going to go to Kentucky. I would have went. Wow. Yeah, for sure. So, that's, that's interesting. So do you think the effect will be college basketball getting better? No, because I, I man, I, I look at some of the talent that's in that overtime league. That's, 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 some, yeah. that's some really good talent that, that will be missing out on a collegiate level. Um, but I, I think the NIL deal is good because, I, I mean, even when I was in high school, man, and I'm walking around with a Jalen Rose number five, you know, Michigan jersey, the gold one, mm -hmm. and – I'm seeing the impact that these guys have on the culture and they're not monetizing off of any of that. Like, that's not cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, nice. I'm, I'm glad these kids again, they just do uh, because these universities are banking off of these kids and, and what they do on the basketball court. Um, but yeah, I, I think for me going back, it would have been a tough decision depending on how much money I could have receive at the end of the day optionality is a great thing and it's cool that there's there's the g league there is overseas there is you know the overtime league there are these other opportunities soon you know guys over 18 can play one-on-one -on -one in tracy grady's league you know there there are a lot of cool things and and optionality at the end of the day is, is the best so it's good to see that things are progressing in the right direction absolutely um i just I love college basketball. I don't know what's missing. This year was really good. This, this college basketball season was really good because there was a lot of underdogs that beat some major mid, uh, some major um, schools. And, and I think a lot has to do with the, the portal. You know, a lot of these guys going to the portal. But I don't think a lot of these, these kids that our seniors right now going into, you know, their freshman year in college, how difficult it's gonna be for them. Even, the, you know, the kids that are in high school right now and pursuing colleges, if I'm a college, 
you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a college coach, a recruiter. It's tough for me to go and scout high school kids if you're not a phenom, because I could just go into this portal to where I can go and get a 22, a 23, 24-year-old player and add him to my, my team who's much more mature, much more experienced, who I can rely on to be a, you know, a professional than to deal with a 17 or 18 year old kid. So college is getting, you know, for high school guys, it's getting tough, man. It's getting really tough. Yeah, that's a super real thing. I have a super specific question for you. You were one of the few players that had custom wristbands. <laughs> Did, who made those? Was that you that made them? Or was it the league? And did you have to apply to get them? Because only a couple players had them, and then no players had them after that until recently. Yeah, no, Adidas. I had Adidas make it for me. So those were all custom made by Adidas. All custom. Yeah, I, and I, I, what was crazy, I had a big bag. I got a big bag before every season of different colors from Adidas. Yeah, I had them make them. That's crazy. Somebody and then, told I had, then you know. You know, some fans um, noticed that I was wearing the wristbands and then they made me some as well. And I'll, I'll wear some, you know, on certain occasions uh, throughout my career. But yeah, Adidas made them. That's pretty cool. A buddy of mine told me that the only way you could get one was if you gave it to them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's real. <laughs> that's a real thing. That's so funny. Did you keep like jerseys and shoes from your career? You I gave, gave it all the way? I gave it all to my friends and some to my family. Yeah, I, I wasn't a collector. Are you, have you ever been a collector? Are you a collector never, now? Never been a collector, but, you know, the, the, the times we're living in now, I regret it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I, I admit, I, I regret it. I did. Yeah. You did. Remember, right. you did that right. industry is booming like crazy right now. So to have some personable items, oh, man, and to come off of that, it's just, who knows what, you know, the value of that. It's pretty nuts. Somebody told me too that, um, or in Orlando, they made you wear the same ones, the same jerseys over and over and over again. Is that true? You would wear the same jersey for like an entire season? Pretty much, yeah. But I didn't care about that. That, that didn't bother me at all. The only reason that that matters is because because there are barely any the value of those somebody told me i was like yeah they're what yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. no nah, hold on let me turn this off yeah I'm, I'm sure that is uh a, a big buck well we're gonna need some um we're gonna need some ones basketball uh memorabilia when when that drops and we, we're we need, creating it all. We need some it. cards. We need some NFTs. We everything. Need, yes. We need everything. Yes. We created, we're creating it all. I love it. Now, being a part of a Rockets team that sort of changed the entire NBA in terms of its global reach, like Michael Jordan was one thing, but Yao Ming was a totally different animal in terms of uh, taking the NBA to another level. What was it like being a part of the, you know, that team and seeing it sort of happen in real life? Well, 
I can just tell you this. His, I can tell you about his impact. We played Milwaukee um, in a regular season game, right? Not a preseason game. Or maybe it was a preseason. No, it was a regular season game. We played Milwaukee. And they had Yi Jillian. Uh, I, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. But they had 07 draft pick. Yep. So we played them. Buster, there were more people that viewed that game, were watching that game, than the Super Bowl. That's what type really? of impact, yes. <laughs> That's, That's what crazy. type of impact y'all had. <laughs> crazy, bro. Over 250 million people tuned into this game. Crazy numbers. So to go, and, and that was just here in North America. To go to China with Yao in 2004 or five, I think that was, bruh, he is, he, he is a, a mega star over there. I, th I thought I was big in China, which I am, but it's nothing compared to Yao. He's, he's like the God. Did, did you guys ever talk about sort of the pressures that come with being considered the god by multiple nations no we never had those, that conversation i knew the pressures but he and i never had the discussions about it but i, I saw it because I, I i think my first time ever going to china was like 1999 right and and basketball over there wasn't as uh popular in those right. times so i seen the evolution of basketball in china and man, when we became teammates, it was it was a different beast over there. That's I mean, you talk, you're talking more, you know, kids play basketball than we have in our entire country. Yeah, those numbers are so like confusing right? to think about. But right. when you went over and, and played in China, did you see it? Like, yeah. was it to become apparent? What perspective did that give you on like basketball as a whole? Dude. I sold out the CBA. When I announced that I was going to play in China, I sold out the CBA. So every, all the bus rides that I was going from different cities to play, it was like Michael Jordan showing up to every city and people waiting outside, thousands of people waiting outside the arena. How did that make you feel? Oh man, it was amazing, bro. Cause you know, I, I grew up in central Florida, 10,000 people and you know, to, to make it to where I was at that time was, it was just in such an incredible feeling, man. I was so grateful and, and, and thankful because it, it gave me my love for basketball back. You got to think, this is after I had my microfracture surgery and I wasn't T-Mac no more, right? So I wasn't being celebrated for four years. I wasn't being celebrated like I once was when I played for the Rockets in the Magic. So to go over there and feel um appreciate it and get that celebration back it did wonders for for me and and my mental because i was i was so devastated um 2009 when we got run our test when i was with the rockets and i was i had i had uh arthroscopic surgery right so i thought just you know having that that simple surgery is going to help my knee I'm going into training camp. I'm extremely, I'm happy. I'm like, yes, 
I finally got the team that I want to advance in the playoffs and potentially be a, a, a title contender. I'm not healthy. My knee is gone. I'm like, uh, my knee is dead, bro. I never could get it. I tried to play on it, but I think I got to like January. We were in Milwaukee and I got a fast break and I'm going and somebody was trailing me. So I know if I was to lay it up on the same side I was on, it was going to get blocked. So I tried to go up on the other side and dunk it and I got hung. I couldn't jump off of my left leg. I got hung and from that point on, I was like, I'm done. I had I shut it down. And that's when everything just went, just went left, man. Just went downhill for me. And then you went to China after that? I don't know. No. Then I got traded. I had to get out of Houston. I got traded to the Knicks. This is when, you know, traded to the Knicks. Right. For right. That. And then when I finished with the Spurs, no, it was before the Spurs is when I played in China. Because when I got home after playing in China, I was home for like two months. And I came out of church and Coach Pop called me. He had a left, he left a voicemail on my phone. I was like, oh, <laughs> what's this about? I should listen to that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, he told me they, they had some bodies that were down and he needed a body and just come on down. And you know, I was like, Pop, man, I've been on the couch for two months, bro, I'm not in shape. It's like, don't worry about it. We'll get you in shape. So that's how that started. That's pretty cool. Uh, so I'm a Knicks fan. I wanted to ask you about your time at playing at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, that was an interesting team. You had like, you know, young Nate Robinson. You had David Lee. You had. Uh, was Nate? Was Nate on there? Was Nate Robinson? Oh, I he's on the roster when I checked third year but it's possible that that was wrong. I don't think Nate was on there. So who, who else did you have on that squad? It was like Errol Harrington, David Lee, uh, Bill Walker. Um, did you have Gallinari on that team? Gallo was on there. Duhon. I don't, I don't think Nate was on there. Totally a funny story. Yeah. So... I was extremely excited, right? Because I'm, I'm I'm ready to get the hell out of Houston because of, you know, the stories that they put in now just created this narrative about me, right? And I was I was pissed, like I'm done with Houston, get me out of here because y'all lying on me, and I know how it goes, right? Know how it goes, get me out of here. So I get traded to the Knicks. I see the roster. I'm like, okay, all right. Go in the locker room, talking to Al, like, yo, bro, like. And we 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 can make the playoffs, bro. Let's you know, let's do this. Al look at me like <laughs> he started laughing, as if like, bro, we ain't making no playoffs, bro. You you don't even know what you just got into. Bad, <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> so about, about about five games in, bro. About five six games in. I saw what he was talking about. I was like, man, we ain't got no chance of making the playoffs here. I don't, it, it just, that culture wasn't right, man. Just, it was a bad, bad culture, man. But great people around that organization made some, some pretty good friends, but I don't know. It's just something about that organization, bro. And as, as an Knicks fan, I'm not going to lie, it hurts. It hurts, but hey, nothing you can do. What are you going to do?
we uh but yeah we need a uh, i need a new i need a new person to root for in uh in your league to uh su to suffice for my unfortunate knicks fandom i hate it for you man i feel, <laughs> I feel your pain bro so I, I i wanted to ask you about this and I, I saw you talk about it in a few years back you know there was almost a trade that went down Scotty Pippen and the Bulls. You guys had a secret meeting, mm -hmm. you and the Bulls. What was discussed in this meeting? So I'm in my bed sleep, draft night. And well, the night before the draft, I get a call like midnight. It's my agent, Arn Teller. She's like, get up, get dressed, we have to go. Go where? He's like, Jerry Krause has scheduled a, um, a physical for you. I was like, what? So <laughs> they got a secret location that they drove me to, went in the back of a clinic, took a physical. And he was like, he's, he's about to trade Scotty Pippen for you. I'm like, what? I, I, I'm blown away, bro. And um, I think I woke up the next morning and he called me. It was like something about Michael Jordan, you know, put an end to all of that when he got wind that what was going on. But Jerry Krause was, was obsessed with me, bro. Whether it was um, being drafted or when I became a rookie, I mean, a, 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 a free agent after my third year in, in Houston, I mean, uh, Toronto, sorry. It was, he was just doing his best to try to get me to be a Chicago Bulls. That's so wild that you were just thrown into that whole interesting mix. I don't know what else to call it with Krauss and Pippen. <laughs> yeah, like, like, come on, man. Don't put that type of pressure on me, bro. I mean, right, right. Championships. You want to trade Pitt for a rookie? And I'm not going to lie. I'm glad it didn't happen because I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a lot of pressure. It would have been harder to develop. A lot of pressure. And who knows the trajectory of my career after that? which way it would have went like, nah, man. <laughs> right. Because all of a sudden, like what normally happens to a top draft pick is they go to the worst team in the league. And now the expectations are zero and anything they do, the fan base is pumped, you know? So yeah. that would be the opposite of that. And therefore the expectations would be a hundred and you would be letting people down instead of hyping them up. Even if you're, it's the same output on both, on both ends. Yeah. Yeah, and then when I became a free agent, um, what was that, 1999-2000 season, um, he, they flew me in, wine and dine me, but like Toronto, like Miami, they were competing against Orlando, which was home. You know, as a kid, I used to drive by the arena um, and used to tell my mom all the time that I was going to be playing in a magic uniform there. So... When that opportunity came, that's what they were recruiting up against. They had no chance. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Who were who are your favorite guys to play against? Either when you first got into the league, or, or, or you know, in your prime. Who, what matchup were you super excited? Was it Mike? Uh, you know, Kobe. Who who are the LeBron? Who are those guys that you're excited to play? All the names you just named: Mike, MJ. Kobe, Braun, KG, um, Paul Pierce, um, Vince. I love playing against AI. We mean AI 
Love going up against him because it was just it, it it posed a different challenge. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but one that I really, really embraced and loved was Ron Artest because of, I I know his his mentality and what what he how he approaches the game mm-hmm. and he always takes those type of uh, matchups personally and 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 he he make it a point to try to shut a great offensive player down so that was it was a battle within a battle with with us so i love i love those challenges in those battles do you have a favorite game from your career Nah, not really. No, no. I mean, I've I've had, you know, the game when I scored 13 and 35. I had a game when I scored 52 and three quarters. I had a 62-point game. Um, I I had, in the 62-point game, I missed nine of my last 10 shots. That's my I missed nine free throws. And that's that was very un- uncharacteristic of me. So yeah. you had you had eighteen and nine. You had twenty-seven to sixty-two. <laughs> You're looking at a lot of. I mean, sixty-two is insane. I was at um my favorite game that I've ever been to in person was at the Garden when Melo scored sixty-two. Yeah. Uh, you know that was a Garden record. Where where was where was your sixty-two? Orlando. Oh, that that must have been super special. Uh, it was, yeah. I mean, we were we were a terrible team, but that brought some excitement to the crowd. Yeah. What What do you think you would average in today's game, given everybody? Everybody else asked me that earlier. The defense and you know the play. I mean, you I, mean the lack of defense? Yeah, yeah. The lack. Um, of I think I will do. Listen, I averaged 32 in a tough defensive era. I will add another eight points on that because I would take more threes. I got to the free throw line. So I, I, I think I know I would at least hit two or three more threes. I would have made two or three more threes. Yeah. So 40, 40 a game. 38 to 40. I believe it. I believe 30, it. 38 to 40. What type of mentality does it take? And how do you, you know, sort of, sort of two questions. A is, you know, not that many people were in your position of stardom, you know, especially in your prime in, in Houston and, uh, you know, in Orlando. When you have that much attention and that many people that love you and that much adrenaline constantly, even when you were in China too, how do you not... Uh, how do you not get too used to it and too accustomed to that, to where your baseline energy is so low that, you know, you, it's hard to get any adrenaline or get excited for a game or anything like that? Or is that just not the case when you're playing in front of 20,000 people? No, I, I think the preparation, right? Preparation in the off season and, and, and how you work eliminates any of the fear or, or doubt that you may have. Um, at, at least it did for me because I, I, you know, I was training two and three times a day uh, before for a season. 
And once I hit supreme confidence where I felt like I was unstoppable, there was nothing could distract me or blind me from, you know, the goals that I wanted to reach. There was nothing. I was, I was set on my individual goals, team goals, and I put too much work in for anything to distract me from that. Right. <clears throat> that supreme confidence is sort of the pinnacle of preparation, huh? It's the pinnacle. If you don't have that, there's holes within your game and, and, within, and, and within your ability to reach your peak success. And I didn't guy, yeah. How many guys would you look at history apart from yourself have had that panic, like that supreme confidence? Because I feel like it's not as many as. No, no. I mean, the ones that you see that are standing out amongst, you know, all the NBA players now, right? The KDs, Kyrie's, the bronze, right? Mello, Steph, like them type dudes. There are some guys that are, are on a talent level, but they don't have the, the mentality, the mindset. Right. right? What, are, what are some of those traits and you know, that supreme confidence? How do you try to carry that over to your post-playing career? What are some of those you know, key qualities in terms of you know, preparation or supreme confidence that you can carry over? And how do you maintain that? Because I'd love to have that supreme confidence. That sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> well, well, for me, I was about what was surrounding me. Like I, I didn't feel like, I wasn't a guy that felt like I could do it by myself, right? I knew how great I was, but I also know I need these guys to contribute and be at their best for me to be at my best. You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's how I approached it. And I got a lot of flack for that because people felt like I was a little bit on the un, like unselfish. I should have did more. But damn, I mean, I need these guys. Yeah, I could have taken more shots when I was in Orlando. Absolutely. But I need my I need Pat Garrity to, you know, uh, be confident and knock down open shots when I get double team. I need Darrell Armstrong's energy and for him to knock down those shots, right? So I didn't oh I didn't think that it's me, 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 and I don't need these guys. I could do it by myself. So I carry that over until you know my post career. I know that in order for me to to reach the goals that I want in, in business, I first need to have smart people around me. <laughs> That's not one thing, but I'm not, I, I'm not a bullshit guy. I don't treat people um, like shit. Um, I don't tolerate that. So I don't want that around me. You understand? I don't, I don't want, we have this thing, you know, with my team, when we're talking about, you know, investors, new, new people coming into my team, this is no bullshit team. Like we don't, that's what we don't do. Um, but yeah, and in terms of installing that type of confidence, I know what I can do, what I'm capable of doing. And I know what 
my team is capable of doing. So collectively, that's where my confidence comes because I gain it from the people that are around me that I know if I don't know something, I know I can rely on them. And that helps me stay confident and in, into my ability of being successful, if right. that makes sense. That does. Everything feeds off one another. And if you can make Absolutely. everybody around you super confident, then it'll come back to you. And, you know, you are sure. who you surround yourself with. So that, that makes sense in terms yeah. of, you know, the supreme confidence. Yes, sir. So where can people support one's basketball, man? I, I want to watch. I want to, you know, how, do, how does one do it? So, um, of course, you could keep up with, you know, uh, everything on my Instagram account, oblhoops.com. We have that. Um, my Twitter, tmac underscore 213. Look, we're going to have, at a later date, we're going to announce who's going to be our, um, our streaming partner. So we're going to announce that. But it's coming, man. It's all coming together, Buster. I'm excited, bro. I love it. Well, congratulations on that and everything else. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure and uh, I'm excited to watch everything expand. I appreciate you having me on your platform, bro. Appreciate it. All right. I'll see you. Salute.